0: Hello, Uh. welcome to Infinite Cast, a pod jest about Infinite Jest. Nice. Uh, I had, for the first time yesterday, um, I made the the awful choice to bring up Infinite Jest in conversation. I
1: did too. Wait, do we both do it separately?
0: Separately. I was in conversation with a friend of mine uh, who, and it had... um, the, the the conversation had shifted to the idea of being extremely attractive is like a kind of disability just because it uh we were talking about various Hollywood stars and how being like otherworldly attractive must like shift your entire life experience and like just how people treat you and how yeah. you interact with people and the power that you know that you hold over everyone and et cetera, et cetera. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know what, this is a plot point in infinite jest.
1: Yeah. The yep. prettiest girl of all time. The pea goat. The pea goat. Uh, yeah, I, I also spoke... I think maybe I, I'd heard... Oh, yeah, the, this is... It was one of the first times that I've spoken to a, a stranger... Um, in a in a while, um, we've been really living a no new friends oh, yes. lifestyle. Uh, uh,
0: yeah, no new friends lifestyle. Uh, quick, uh, quick, Molly and Chris update. Both double vax
1: We're double vax. We're getting back into it. I mean this this was still uh this was still outside, but yeah, we're, we we're
0: still outside. But we both have both our shots, so uh, we're coming infinite, back. To infinite society. cast fans, uh, you know, pl- please clap.
1: Please please clap. Um, no, I I spoke to a a, a guy, and I, it was after I heard that you were talking about Infinite Jest. And then I had to say, you know, was I a little embarrassed to be like, actually, you know what, dude? Uh, I know I was telling you about my other podcast. We actually have have two two podcasts. podcasts. Oh, God. And the second one is uh, me reading. I honestly... Think I honestly how, think, think of
0: how obnoxious you would be if you were the man in the relationship.
1: Yeah, no, I think my 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 parts, my parts and bits and gender well, presentation like, is the only thing um, saving saving per- me. Yeah, it
0: gives you permission to talk about your multiple podcasts. I never talk about my podcasts but, to people because I yeah, so you know, so,
1: so that's stupid. wise. And I can do, I I do feel like I can do that because no, you're, I you're am a girl chick
0: podcaster.
1: But that being said, like as soon as
0: girl, but for podcasts. as soon as the
1: words left my mouth, I was like, Ugh. oh, I can't keep doing <laughs> this when I <laughs> when abort, I meet new people. (laughs) I can't talk about this. Uh I I need to figure out something else to talk about cuz it's yes. true that this is the, these podcasts that we've been doing are some of the only things that I've been doing. Yeah. Um that being said, it was it was a little bit of a come to Jesus moment. I need to figure yeah. out how to be fun more fun of it. The apart.
0: first rule of having multiple po- podcasts with your spouse is you do not talk about the multiple podcasts you have with and your spouse. And if you talk
1: about one, you talk about one. You
0: don't talk yes. you don't so even th- talk about the Actually, other
1: we ones. have a second podcast. Oh, yeah, I <laughs> I, yeah, I, I've honestly never I've that's saying that I was I was really yeah. really um, no this podcast
0: does not exist other than for uh, uh, the delightful fans who actually yeah, listen to this yeah. so shout out to if all if you the, don't like,
1: know you're not going to know
0: yeah. shout out to the, like 600 six or 700 of you who seem to be following along with these seems uh, like it love uh, that really, really appreciate it thank you thank you sickos for uh, enjoying this stupid yeah. thing with us <laughs> the
1: only club I'd want to be a <laughs> member of and I'm not doing any more recruiting. <laughs> a supposedly <laughs>
0: fun thing. I can't believe people would do again or listen to again.
1: Speaking of which, we'll have to talk about the uh, the David
0: Foster Wallace conference. Oh after, yes, after, Af- the, after this. After okay, the so this has been an extended intro. Yeah, I think we're feeling a little punchy. We be- we're both vax drunk. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm full uh, so let's get true. into this. Where we left off was right in the middle of a rare phone conversation between Hal and Oren mm-hmm. in which they are. Potentially for the first time really digging into their dad's death and yeah. how Hal, we left off basically at the moment where Hal revealed that he was the one who found, who found him, J.O. in Condenza's body after he had microwaved his head.
1: Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, so Orin says, and found him. And went to get the moms, then changed my mind and went to get C.T., then changed my mind and went to get Lyle. But the first authority figure I ran into was Shtit, who was irreproachably brisk and efficient and sensible about everything and turned out to be just the authority figure to go get in the first place. (laughs) I didn't even think a microwave oven would go on unless the door was closed. What with microwaves oscillating all over inside, I thought there was like a refrigerator light or read-only tab-like device.
0: I'm glad that they're addressing this.
1: You seem to be forgetting the technical ingenuity of the person we're talking about. And you were totally shocked and traumatized. He was uh, <laughs> asphyxiated, irradiated, and/or slash burnt. As we'd later reconstructed the scene, he'd used a wide bit drill and small hacksaw to make a head-size hole in the oven door. Then, when he'd gotten his head in, he'd carefully packed the extra space around his neck with wadded-up aluminum
0: foil. Oh. <laughs> I'm really glad that, he <laughs> that they're goes explaining into the this. Of this.
1: Uh, Sounds kind of ad hoc and jerry-rigged and haphazard. (laughs) Everybody's a critic. This wasn't an aesthetic endeavor. (laughs) Or in pauses. Uh, And there was a large and half-full bottle of wild turkey found on the counter not far away with a large red decorative gift-wrappish bow on the neck. On the bottle's neck, you mean. (laughs) That is a Raj. As in, he hadn't been sober after all. That would seem to follow, Oh and he left no note or living will type video or communique of any kind. Oh, I know you very well. I I know you know very well he didn't. You're now asking me stuff I know you know besides criticizing him and making sobriety claims when you weren't anywhere near the scene or the funeral. Are we just about through here? I've got a whole long-nailed foot waiting for me here. As you reconstructed the scene, you just said. Also, it just hit me, I've got a library book I was supposed to return. I'd forgotten all about it. Kurtwang reconstructed the scene, as in the scene when you found him was somehow deconstructed. You of all people, oh, you know that was the word he hated more than. So burned then, just say it. He was really, really badly burned. Hal, silence from Hal. No, wait, asphyxiated. <laughs> Is that a real word, or is is that a a mistake? A a
0: malapropism? I've never heard asphyxiated, but, you know, given this book, who knows if it's a real word or not. Uh, The
1: packed packed foil was to preserve the vacuum in a space that got automatically evacuated as soon as the magnetron started oscillating and generating the microwaves. Magnetron? What do you know about magnetrons and oscillators? Aren't you the brother of mine who has to be reminded which way to turn the ignition key in a car? Brief liaison with this one subject who used to model at a kitchen appliance trade show. (laughs) Silence from Hal. It was kind of a brutal brand of modeling. She'd stand there on a huge rotating lazy Susan in a one piece with one thigh turned in and a hand out palm up indicating the appliance next to her. Stood there smiling and spinning day after day. She'd stagger around half the evening trying to get her balance back.
0: Didn't we just watch a new girl about this?
1: Yes. That was the car. Yeah.
0: Of like the one episode of the new girl that we watched this year was about appliance modeling.
1: It's my favorite. I love when uh, when Cece uh, gets too drunk and Jess has to do the appliance modeling. Yeah. That's a good, a good episode. It's a good episode. Yeah. That, Slapstick. Yeah. Uh, did this. I,
0: though I do think that uh, Zoe Deschanel hams it up a little fucking too much in that show she's not <laughs> what do you want her to do i guess i mean that is what the sh- what it's her it's whole asking, bit asking from but it's like it's so it's so s- stupid i should what's the Deschanel? it's like
1: oh look at me i'm zoe deschanel oh, i'm so bubbly it's me zoe deschanel i've got I mean, bangs it's
0: not that far off from her
1: i'm a teacher i'm quirky oh, oh, I, I can't i can be i can't do anything <laughs> I don't have a boyfriend, but I live with four boys, three boys. Oh, look at me. I'm so clumsy. <laughs> All right. This is, did this subject by any chance explain to you how microwaves actually cook things? <laughs> Silence from Oren. Or have you, for example, ever, say, uh, like, baked a potato in a microwave oven? Do you know you have to cut the potato open before you turn the oven on? Do you know why that is? Jesus. Jesus. Uh, the BPD field pathologist, which takes us to end note uh, number 83, which is just Boston Police Department. <laughs> okay, thank you. A uh, ACAB, including the police that uh, dealt with uh, James Owen Condenza. The BPD field pathologist said the buildup of internal pressures would have been almost instantaneous and equivalent in kilograms uh, KGSCM to over two sticks of TNT. Jesus Christ, Hallie. <laughs> Hence the need to reconstruct the scene. Jesus. Don't feel so bad. His head, like, his, head, his head exploded in the <laughs> microwave. It's <laughs> dark. Don't feel bad. There's no guarantee anybody would have told you, even if you'd popped in for, say, the memorial service. I, for one, wasn't exactly a jabber jaw at the time. <laughs> I seem to have been evincing shock and trauma throughout the whole funeral period. What I mostly recall is a great deal of quiet talk about my psychic well being. It got so I kind of enjoyed popping in and out of rooms just to enjoy the quiet conversation stopping in (laughs) mid-claws. You must have been traumatized beyond fucking belief. Your concern is much appreciated, believe me. Uh, Silence from Oren. Trauma seems to have been the consensus. It turns out Rusk and the moms had been interviewing top-flight trauma and grief counselors for me within hours after it happened. I was shunted directly into concentrated grief and trauma therapy four days a week for over a month, right in the April, May gearing up for summer tour period. (laughs) I lost two spots on the 14s ladder just because all the PM matches I missed. I missed the hardcore qualies and would have missed Indianapolis if I hadn't if I hadn't finally figured out the grief and trauma therapy process. (laughs) But it helped ultimately the grief therapy. The therapy ended up taking place in that professional building right up Com Ave past the Sunstrand Plaza by Lake Street, the one with bricks the color of Thousand Island dressing we all run by four days a week. (laughs) Who was to know one of the continent's top grief men was right up the street? (laughs) The moms didn't want the process going on too far from the old web, if need be, I'm sure. This grief counselor insisted I call him by his first name, which I forget. A large, red, meaty character with eyebrows at a demonic-looking synclinal angle and very small, nubbly gray teeth (laughs) and a mustache. He always had the remains of a sneeze in his mustache. Ew. I got to know that mustache very well. Ew. His face had that same blood blood pressure flush CT's face gets. And let's not even go into the man's hands. The moms had Rusk shunt you to a top grief pro, so she wouldn't have to feel guilty about practically sawing the hole in the microwave door herself, amongst other little guilt and anti-guilt operations. Mm. She always did believe himself was doing more with Joelle than work. Poor old himself never had eyes for anybody but the moms. This was one tough tough ombre, oh, this grief counselor. He made a Rusk session look like a day on the Adriatic. I think Rusk is the um, sports psychologist at ETA. okay.
0: We haven't haven't really... We haven't
1: met him, as far as I remember. He wouldn't let up. How did it feel? How does it feel? How do you feel when I ask how it feels? Rusk always reminded me of a freshman fumbling with some subject's bra, the way she'd sort of (laughs) tug and fumble at your head. The man was unsatisfiable and scary. Those eyebrows, that ham-rind face, bland little eyes. He never once turned his face away or looked away at anything but right at me. It was the most brutal six weeks of full bore professional conversation anybody could imagine.
0: This happened to me. It. We'll have to talk about that. Yeah, well, maybe afterwards. But a gr- a grief. Ca- I've never been to a grief counselor. Well, I mean, after my stepdad died, my mom sent me to a a, a, a grief shrink and i remember being very disappointed that i didn't get to lay down on a chaise lounge (laughs) you should
1: have wait was
0: did you was it just a chair yeah it was just a chair
1: when i went to therapy for the first time it's the therapist it was it's a cat not a not a fainting couch but she has a couch and i was like i was literally just like i'm like i sit right she's like you can lie down if you want to i'm like i don't know that seems kind of melodramatic (laughs) but honestly (laughs) i probably should have and you know what once i get to go back in person i might just do that
0: yeah i um it, it was a very aseptic. It was just a small, white, professional room with two chairs in it. And I was like, this is this is not co- cozy at all.
1: It wasn't I mean, like a therapist thing yeah, with like leather-bound books and yeah, stuff? Yeah,
0: I knew enough about therapist tropes that I was like, I'm expecting a chaise lounge with like like a a smoking room with like a chaise lounge with like an oriental rug draped over yeah, it. and yeah. this awful medical building office uh, is not putting me in the mood to talk about my feelings. Did you say that? Yes and they and choose like, was tough, like ele- tough cookies when i was like 11
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is very chris this is very similar i'm pretty sure Hal was 11 yeah this is very similar this yeah, is exactly. interesting how like, many day how many days a week did you have to go i just
0: i think just once okay. i think i only went for like a month or something before i was like mom i'm not getting anything out of this this like, this kind of sucks and i'm mostly just bored
1: uh, well
0: i mean <laughs> and there's no goddamn couch
1: yeah She sh- should have uh, found, found you a good couch yeah found What's find me thought? a couch guy <laughs> uh, with uh, this is Oren with fucking CT already moving his collection of platform shoes and unconvincing hair pieces and Stairmaster in upstairs at HMH already we're getting a little more idea of CT's vibe which is not not up to snuff uh, the whole thing was nightmarish I just could not figure out what the guy wanted I went down and chewed through the Copley Square library's grief section not disc the actual books I read Kubler-Ross Hinton, I slogged through Kastenbaum and Kastenbaum. I read things like Elizabeth Harper Neal's Seven Choices, Taking the Steps to New Life After Losing Someone You Love, which takes us to end note number 84, available on ROM via interlace at Deltad3.com or in remaindered paperback from Delta slash Delacorte Division of Bantam Doubleday Dell Little Brown, (laughs) itself a division of Bell Atlantic slash (laughs) TCI. Is that real? Would would a, a telecommunications company have bought Little Brown? Yeah.
0: I mean, in the future, sure.
1: Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Back to the text, which was 352 pages of sheer goo. I went in and presented with textbook perfect symptoms of denial, bargaining, anger, still more denial, depression. I listed my seven textbook choices and vacillated plausibly between and among them. I provided etymological data on the word acceptance all the way back to Wycliffe and 14th century Languedoc French. (laughs) The grief therapist was having none of it. It was like one of those final exams in Nightmares where you prepare immaculately and then you get there and all the exam questions are in Hindi. I even tried telling him himself was miserable and pancreatitic and out of his tree half the time by then anyway, that he and the moms were basically estranged, that even work and wild turkey weren't helping anymore, that he was despondent about something he was editing that turned out so bad he didn't want it released, that the that what happened was probably kind of a mercy in the end.
0: The, 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 the entertainment was what he said. The entertainment. Right? Uh, but it was, it was so bad.
1: Well, that's the thing. I, that's where I'm kind of what, like, did he think it was bad or did he, did, did he, he actually know, it was, know so, it was so good? So
0: good that it was destructive.
1: And we'll have to ask, I'll ask this. I'll try to remember to ask this question at the end, but we can keep going. Okay. Keep going. Uh, Oren himself didn't suffer then in the microwave. <laughs> Uh, the BPD field pathologist who drew the chalk lines around himself, shoes on the floor <laughs> said maybe 10 seconds tops. He said the pressure building up would have uh, been almost instantaneous. Then he gestured at the kitchen walls. Then he threw up the field pathologist.
0: Can I tell you another goofy story from my childhood real quick? Please, back? yeah. Um, my dad and stepmom had uh, these friends, uh, and one of them's brother had committed suicide. And this is the first time that I, like, really... Had been in a conversation about suicide. I was also probably somewhere between eight and twelve. Oh wow! And uh, I I heard about this from this friend, uh, this friend of my parents, who was describing how his brother had killed himself. I think by jumping off something. Uh-huh. And I very sheepishly was like, "Did they draw a chalk line around his body?"
1: <laughs> that's a that's a question. That's an inquisitive question. Uh,
0: and apparently, I, I heard much later that was the it- <laughs> the friend. Of my parents was like that's one of the first times I could laugh about my really? <laughs> about my brother's your death. brother so it was uh, I I'm glad that it wasn't so embarrassing <laughs> that, I
1: mean death de- like death stuff is so yeah. awkward like it is the most awkward thing to talk about. Yeah. And especially that like suicide as well, yeah, that is kind of funny that you inadvertently <laughs> like maybe broke the seal did, it, did a little, a little bit. like a bit of an icebreaker, yeah, yeah,
0: God did, did they draw a truck out one? <laughs> did <laughs> they <laughs> still do, do that did they do you remember if i they don't answered? I don't think they did yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's something that cops have done after like I don't know nineteen fifty six
1: yeah, uh Jesus Christ, hallie. But the grief therapist was having none of it. The at least his sufferings over angle that Kastenbaum and Kastenbaum said is basically a neon bright sign of real acceptance. This grief therapist hung on like a, a gila monster. I even tried telling him I really didn't feel anything, which was a fiction. <laughs> Of course, it was a fiction. What could I do? I was panic stricken. This guy was a nightmare. His face just hung there over his desk like a hypertensive moon, never turning <laughs> away, with this glistening mucoidal dew in his mustache. <laughs> and don't even ask me about his hands. He was my worst nightmare. Talk about self consciousness and fear. Here was a top rank authority figure, and I was failing to supply what he wanted. He made it manifestly clear I wasn't delivering the goods. I'd never failed to deliver the goods before. You are you are our designated deliverer, Hallie. Dude, no question I, about sorry it. Sorry, keep interrupting, but I that,
0: okay. that feeling is so I is so relevant to me of of the first time that I went when I went to that therapist that I needed to like perform or something like the, the yeah the yeah the, it wasn't really about like my grief or anything or, or my psychological state it was like I, I was like what does this person want from me you you know?
1: you basically I'm assuming you wanted you're like okay my mom put me here and. I don't want to be here. So, what do I need to do to not be here? Not even
0: that, but no. I was like, I was like, I need to be a, like a like because every adult wants something from you. So it's like, yes. So it's like, okay, what what does this person want me to like perform or or give to them? I don't know. I, I it's it, that is a very good feeling. Anyway, yeah, go on for sure. Or not good good feeling, but, but it is yeah. well well observed.
1: Yeah. Uh, you are a designated deliverer, Hallie. No question about it. And here, but here was this authority figure with top credentials in frames over every square centimeter of his walls who sat there and refused even to define what the goods here would be. Yes. Say what you will about Shtit and DeLint, they let you know what they want in no uncertain terms. Flotman, Chowaf, Prickett, Nwangi, Fentress, Lingley, Pettijon, Ogilvy, Leith, even the moms in her way. They tell you on the very first day of class what they want from you, but the son of a bee right here, no dice. <laughs> You must have been in shock the whole time too. Oh, it got worse and worse. I dropped weight. I couldn't sleep. This was when the nightmares started. I kept dreaming of a face in the floor. Remember that? That was mm-hmm. a, a earlier passage. I lost to Freer again, then to Coil. I went three sh- sets with Trolch. I got bees on two different quizzes. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> falling apart for uh, quizzes.
0: Remember quizzes?
1: Yeah, of course. I couldn't concentrate on anything else. I'd become obsessed with the fear that I was somehow going to flunk grief therapy, (laughs) that this professional was going to tell Rusk and Shtit and CT and the moms that I couldn't deliver the goods. I'm sorry I couldn't be there. The odd thing was that the more obsessed I got, the worse I played and slept, the happier everybody got. The grief therapist complimented me on how haggard I was looking. (laughs) Rusk told the the grief therapist and told the moms that it was starting to work, that I was starting to grieve, but that it was a long process. Long and costly. Roger, I began to despair. I began to foresee somehow getting left back in grief therapy, never delivering the goods and it never ending having these Kafka-esque interfaces with this man day after day, week after week. It was now May. The continental clays I'd gotten all the way to the fourth round of the year before were coming up, and it became quietly clear that everybody felt I was at a crucial stage in the long, costly grieving process, and I wasn't going to get to go with a contingent to Indianapolis unless I could figure out some last-ditch way to deliver the emotional goods to this guy. I was totally desperate, a wreck. So you slept on down to the weight room. You and the four had paid a visit to good old Lyle. Lyle turned out to be the key. He was down there reading Leaves of Grass. <laughs> he was going through a Whitman period, part of grieving for himself, he said. I'd never gone to Lyle before in any kind of supplicatory capacity, but he said he took one grief-stricken look at me flailing away down there, working up a gourmet sweat, <laughs> and said he would felt so moved by my additional suffering, on top of having had to be the first of himself's loved ones to experience the loss of himself, that he'd bend every cerebral effort. I assumed the position and let him at the old forehead and explained what had been happening and that if I couldn't figure out some way to satisfy this grief pro, I was going to end up in a soft, quiet room somewhere. Lyle's key insight was that I'd been approaching the issue from the wrong side. I'd gone to the library and acted like a student of grief. What I needed to chew through was the section for grief professionals themselves. (laughs) I needed to prepare from the grief pro's own perspective. How could I know what a professional wanted unless I knew what he was professionally required to want, etc.? It was simple, he said. I needed to empathize with the grief therapist, Uh, Lyle said, if I wanted to spread a broader breast than his own. It was such a simple aversion of my normal goods delivery preparation system that it hadn't once occurred to me, Lyle explained. Lyle said all that? That doesn't sound like Lyle. But a a sort of soft light broke inside me for the first time in weeks. I called a cab, still in my towel. (laughs) I jumped in the cab before it had even stopped at the gate. I actually said, the nearest library with a cutting-edge professional grief and trauma therapy section and step on it, etc., (laughs) etc. It's a callback as well. The Lyle my class knew wasn't a how-to-deliver-the-goods-to-authorities type figure. By the time I hit the grief therapist the next day, I was a different man, immaculately prepared, unfazable. Everything I'd come to dread about the man, the eyebrows, the multicultural music in the waiting room, <laughs> the implacable stare, the crusty mustache, the little gray teeth, even the hands. Did I mention that this grief therapist hid his hands under his desk at all times? <laughs> but you got through it. You grieved to everybody's satisfaction, you're saying. What I did, I went in there and presented with anger at the grief therapist. I accused the grief therapist of actually inhibiting my attempt to process my grief by refusing to validate my absence of feelings. I told him I told him the truth already. I used foul language and slang. I said I didn't give a damn if he was an abundantly credentialed authority figure or not. I called him a shithead. I asked him what the cock-shitting fuck he wanted from me. My overall demeanor was paroxysmic. I told him I told I told him I told him that I didn't feel anything, which was the truth. I said it seemed like he wanted me to feel toxically guilty for not feeling anything. Notice I was subtly inserting certain loaded professional grief therapy terms like validate process as a transitive verb and toxic guilt. Mm -hmm. These were library derived. Mm -hmm. The whole difference was that this time you were walking on court oriented with a sense of where the lines were, it would say. The grief therapist encouraged me to go with my paroxysmic feelings, to name and honor my rage. He got more and more pleased and excited as I angrily told him I flat out refused to feel one iota iota one of guilt of any kind. I said, what, I was supposed to have lost even more quickly to Freer so I could have come around HMH in time to stop himself? <laughs> it wasn't my fault, I said. It was not my fault I found him, I shouted. I was down to black street socks. I had a, a legitimately emergency-grade laundry to do. <laughs> by this time, I was pounding myself on the breastbone with rage as I said that it just, by God, was not my fault that... That what? That's just what the grief therapist said. The professional literature had a whole bold font section on abrupt pauses in high-affect speech. (laughs) The grief therapist was now leaning way forward at the the waist. His lips were wet. I was in the zone, therapeutically speaking. I felt on top of things for the first time in a long time. I broke eye contact with him. That I'd been hungry, I muttered. Come again? That's just what he said, the grief therapist. I muttered that it was nothing. Nothing. That just that it damn sure wasn't my fault that I had the reaction I did when I came through the front door of HMH before I came into the kitchen to get to the basement stairs and found himself with his head in what was left of the microwave. When I first came in and was still in the foyer trying to get my shoes off without putting the dirty laundry bag down on the white carpet and hopping around and couldn't be expected to have any idea what had happened, I said nobody can choose or have any control over their first unconscious thoughts or reactions when they come into a house. I said it wasn't my fault that my first unconscious thought turned out to be, Jesus, kid, what? That something smelled delicious, I screamed. (laughs) The force of my shriek almost sent the grief therapist over backwards in his leather chair. A couple credentials fell off the wall. I bent over in my own non-leather chair as if for a crash landing. I put a hand to each temple and rocked back and forth in the chair, weeping. It came out between sobs and screams that had been four hours plus since lunchtime, and I'd worked hard and played hard, and I was starved. That the saliva had started the minute I came through the door. That golly, something smells delicious was my first reaction. <laughs> but you forgave yourself. I absolved myself with seven minutes left in the session right there in full approving view of the grief therapist. He was ecstatic. By the end, I swear his side of the desk was half a meter off the floor <laughs> at, my, at my grief therapist textbook breakdown into genuine affect and trauma and guilt and textbook ear-splitting grief, then absolution. Trauma. Christ on a jet ski, Hallie. Silence from Hal. Christ on a jet ski. <laughs> but you got through it. You really did grieve and you can tell me what it was like. So I can say something generic, but convincing about loss and grief for Helen for a moment. But I'd admitted, I'd omitted that somehow the single most nightmarishly compelling thing about this top grief therapist was that his hands were never visible. The dreadfulness of the whole six weeks somehow coalesced around the issue of the guy's hands. His hands never emerged from under his underneath his desk. It was as if his arms terminated at the elbow. Besides mustache material analysis, I also spent large blocks of each hour trying to imagine the configurations and activities of those hands under there. Hallie, let me just ask and then I'll never bring it up again. You implied before that what was especially traumatic was that himself's head had popped like an uncut spud. Then on what turned out to be the last day of the therapy, the last day before the A squads were picked for Indianapolis, After I'd finally delivered the goods and my traumatic grief was professionally pronounced, uncovered and countenanced and processed, when I put on my sweatshirt and got set to take my leave uh, and came up to the desk and put out my hand in a trembly, grateful way he couldn't possibly have refused (laughs) and he stood and brought out the hand uh, and shook my hand, I finally understood. His hands were disfigured or something. His hands were no bigger than a four-year-old girl's. (laughs) It was surreal. This massive authoritative figure with a huge red meaty face and thick walrus mustache and dewlaps and a neck that spilled over the rim of his shirt collar and his hands were tiny and pink and hairless and butt soft, delicate as shells. The hands were the capper. I barely made it out of the office before it started. The cathartic post-traumatic like re-experience hysteria. You reeled out of there. I barely made it to the men's room down the hall. I was laughing so hysterically I was afraid all of the periodontists and CPAs on either side of the men's room would hear. I sat in a stall with my hands over my mouth, stamping my feet and beating my head against first one side of the stall and then the other in hysterical mirth. If you could have seen those hands. But you got through it all, and you can thumbnail sketch the overall feeling for me. What I feel is myself gathering my resources for the right foot finally. That magic feeling's back. I'm not lining up the vectors for the wastebasket or anything. <laughs> I'm not even thinking. I'm trusting the feeling. It's like that celluloid moment when Luke removes his high-tech targeting helmet. <laughs> Is that a Star Wars? Yeah. What helmet? <laughs> you know, of course, that human nails are the vestiges of talons and horns, that they're atavistic, like co- cossages and hair, <laughs> that they develop uh, in utero long before the cerebral cortex. What's the matter? that at some point in the first trimester we lose our gills but are now still little more than a bladdery sack of spinal fluid and a rudimentary tail and hair follicles and little microchips of vestigial talon and horn. Is this to make me feel bad? Did this fuck you up, me probing for details after all this time? Did it reactivate the grief? Just one more confirmation, the trailer's interior. There was some object or contiguous trio of objects with the following color scheme. Brown, lavender and either mint green or jonquil yellow. I can call back when you're more yourself, the legs starting to prune a bit from the whirlpool anyway. <laughs> I'll be right here. I've got a whole foot to yield the magic with. Uh, yield to the magic with. I'm not going to alter the smallest particular. I'm just about ready to bear down on the clippers. It's going to feel right, I know. A throw, like an Afghan throw on the chintz sofa. The yellow was more fluorescent than Jonquil, and the word is is asphy- asphyxiated. There we go. Kick some egg shaped balls for all of us. Oh, the next sound you hear will be unpleasant. Hal said, holding the phone down right next to the foot. His expression terrifically intense. <laughs>
0: and that's the conversation. That's that's a chapter. All right. That that that's good place a good stop. stop. That's thirty two minutes. Wow wow so some 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 good background some good character development for uh for uh h and o
1: good really interesting psychological profile of hal as someone who yes. needs to approach he he literally cannot deal with ambiguous open ended emotional situations of any kind uh, yeah everything has to be either tennis or the dictionary <laughs>
0: the tennis or the dictionary ideally uh, both also um And God knows that I, uh, you know, hate um, doing uh, like people doing like being a gifted kid is basically like a kind of disability. But I do appreciate uh, the (laughs) observation and the uh, depiction of the very, very expected upon child. Yes. In how. Yes. um, Because I feel, (laughs) feel that. I felt that. Do you feel, you feel seen? I feel seen. Yes. Yeah, the,
1: the 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 gifted child and then the gr- grief the immediate uh like professionalization of, and, it, yeah. of uh mm-hmm. and pa- you know immediately thinking of it as a pathology. But I mean it's it's funny it's told in the idea that he's telling this story of grief mm-hmm. with so many layers that he's, he he seems to He's not even grieving. He's just freaking out about the grief guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it wasn't until he decided to study it or he figured out from Lyle to study it from the grief therapist perspective that he does seem to have some kind of a breakthrough. Yes, exactly. Was, the, was he grieving when he was... When he
0: realized it smelled delicious. When he
1: was intellectualizing it and focusing on... You know who who can say? Yeah,
0: I mean, so, sometimes that's the form that things take. I mean, people, different people process things differently. I mean, the some people do need to solve emotions like a puzzle. You know,
1: right? Is it any bad bad or worse that he figured it out in that way, or does it speak to something very profoundly stunted in Hal yeah. that he still feel he he feels like he beat the guy?
0: The, I guess the part of it that really resonates with me and i and i appreciate him writing is like that for that kind of kid everything is an expectation yeah you know it's not it's not an experience but you are you you aren't experiencing it directly through yourself but you are experiencing it in the form of like what is expected of me yeah
1: it's and it's not you know as much as someone might say no this isn't you know we're not trying to like fix you the, you know this is just an open ended bit of therapy like whatever it's like, impossible okay, so for <laughs> yeah what's the what's the catch like how do i get out of this yeah
0: exactly um yeah i i i like that
1: and then the immediate shunting into uh the grief therapy when he truly has not even time to figure out what his grief looks like it was so and, quick
0: and it's also like uh, you know notable in that chapter that that there is <laughs> I love how how hard and fast the ball boys in the tennis match run
1: yeah <laughs> I think that was a girl well, it, was, it was a girl but yeah. you know
0: they're all ball boys Sure. Uh, yeah, that's but the you know they they run like you know they're they're collecting like grenades or something and if they don't do it fast <laughs> enough the tennis ball is gonna explode. Uh anyway, uh I think it's also notable that that the mom's is is com- almost completely absent in her kids uh, you know, grief.
1: Right, she's situation. not. Yeah. I think I mean it's <laughs> it's an interesting inversion because you think of the uh alcoholic um you know, uh, a aban- dad who abandons his kids raising to basically start making movies. Mm-hmm. Uh Sorry, I'm just looking at this Black Lives, Lives Matter, Matter tableau tennis, in tableau? the on the tennis seats and the empty seats. Yeah. I don't That's I don't really know weird. what to say there. <laughs> um j- uh what was I saying? The answer is <laughs> incredibly distracting. Um that oh yeah, so like you think of the dad as like he's kinda like a deadbeat dad, right? Yeah, yeah. But the mom's is no better. The Where mo- is she? Yeah. But now she's ha- she has these little dinners where she co- goes over and and feeds them pr- high protein jello squares, <laughs> and it's Evian. Evian. Sorry, uh, we're Sorry. being
0: very distracted right now. Yeah. I, we were talking last week about how Evian high key fell off.
1: Evian high key fell off. It was the, the, the water fancy of the nineties. bottle 90s. water,
0: and then disappeared.
1: It was. It and it was in Legally Blonde. It was in uh, the several episodes of the nanny that we've been watching. Um.
0: The 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 fucking Zoolander. Isn't Zoolander? It was in par- Parent Trap. Parent Trap, uh, Madonna videos. Oh, yeah, Madonna,
1: watching. Truth or Dare, the documentary. It was, was the only Evian.
0: water that, that you drank if you were fancy, and then it just disappeared to other bottled water.
1: Well, now it, it speaks to the level, the era of consumption that we're in, mm-hmm. which is that Evian is just fancy because it comes from a nice spring, right? I don't know. It's just, it's imported, it's European. Is it European? Yeah. I think okay. so. I mean, I think it's French, no? if
0: I tweeted about this yesterday, and multiple people uh, pointed out that the the funniest shit you could do in the 90s was point out that Evian is naive backwards. Cause it's like, <laughs> who would ever drink water from a bottle? And you're like, well, you know, sometimes you need a bottle of water. Sometimes you
1: need a bottle of water. But now, you know, that that was just... luxury at that time was basically imported fancy European expensive. Now it's essential water that has ions in it. Ions. And it's... um, Give me the ions. It balances your pH and shit. Yes. Um... And it, yeah, it gives you energy and filters your blood and all the stuff that is simply completely not true. It's all just yeah. water. And, and you know what? I actually prefer the idea of just getting it from a nice spring. spring.
0: Evian should introduce Evian Plus now with more ions.
1: More with, uh, but that that's just capitulating to
0: the the it's mood good, of wellness. Yeah. Uh, what well, were we talking about? The moms. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but I think you uh, correctly identified it that there is just like this immediate. Um, I don't know, like institutionalization of everything. Yeah. And I I think that that even the mom's uh, represents that as well. Yeah. where because everything is like subsumed in like the school and yes. the schooling and stuff and yes. like, yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It's it's no no wonder her, her kids uh turned out the way they did, basically. But how and also the the point at the end where Hal seems to have maybe been re-traumatized and and is kind of rejecting Warren mm-hmm. who has been making explicit you know he's been apologizing and saying i'm sorry this must have been horrible for you it's he's true, trying to connect he, on the a real level
0: purpose of the conversation is does kind of have this craven feeling to it because he's Orin's just trying to b- he just needs bone up yeah. so he knows what the right thing to say for his people magazine what is mag- moment, magazine. moment magazine profile yeah. yeah
1: no you're right it's and i think maybe that's what Hal is picking up on is like you didn't call me to actually check on how i was doing you you're just trying you you have a this crush is this is self-serving you have a crush on this gigantic woman <laughs> uh yeah really not not healthy uh, family dynamics at play here
0: yeah. um is there any uh, extraneous things that we need to talk about uh for this uh here's a question yes for you the listeners the 5 or 6 or 700 of you who listen to this uh should Molly and I go to Amsterdam to uh crash the David Foster Wallace convention national <laughs> David Foster Wallace convention uh which is happening this October in Amsterdam uh International DFW they are open to submissions but they really only call for papers, papers? on him
1: I can write a paper and
0: I'm like uh Dude, let us submit a podcast. It's the 21st century. <laughs> come on. We don't need to be academics. We can we can be podcasters and 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 come to your festival.
1: I'm just thinking of like tr- actually trying to stage a, an overt takeover yeah. of uh b- basically a dirtbag infiltration into the uh, world of David Foster Wallace academia because I I saw the pictures of the 2018 uh gathering and uh it does not not to judge books by their very large books by their very large covers but uh it does not look like the most happening club yes. in <laughs> in in the world but you, you know what
0: if you live in if you listen to this and you live in holland uh let us know what the what the scene on the ground is there is there like a bar in amsterdam we could book a show uh at um,
1: I just think the potential for a hunter s. Thompson gonzo style experience is uh is high in amsterdam
0: uh fear and loathing Fear and loathing uh, supposedly fun thing I'll never fear and loathe again <laughs> uh anyway, we're considering doing it. Maybe yeah. we'll go to, maybe we'll just be there after
1: after a year plus of uh of very limited social interactions, I will attend the it's opening of an the, envelope, yeah. yes. let alone a conference on David Foster Wallace. Uh, an academic conference an academic
0: conference
1: keyword is academic if it were a uh, vi- a vibes conference <laughs> <laughs> a social conference uh, yeah maybe that's what we need to do is just create the, the like social the social scene yeah <laughs>
0: uh <laughs> yeah. all right that's probably enough for this yes today um we'll be back next week um you can email us as always the infinite cast pod oh uh buy tickets to the uh to frequency one the the music festival that i'm producing yes uh the chapa trap house is headlining with yep. every time i die and a bunch of other people frequency.live frqncy.live uh go buy tickets uh if you are listening to this you are a, a fucking huge wade head. You have to <laughs> buy tickets for this. This you have to help me make you must, this, this uh, you must. You must. Uh like the young Pope. You must you must you must buy tickets to frequency.live frequency one frequency.live F R Q N C Y dot live. All right. Bye everybody. Bye.